I'm Christian Burgess. I work in the acting department, and with me today is Douglas Rintoul, director of A Midsummer Night's Dream. You're directing a well-known play by Shakespeare. Do you have any particular thoughts on, on uh, how you go about bringing a play like this to life? Do you, are you aware of other productions, or do you start afresh? How do you do it? Um, it's always difficult when you're tackling a play by Shakespeare, particularly one of the most popular ones, so-called the most popular ones. And yes, you, I, I have seen, I've seen a couple of productions, and there are images, not only that, there are paintings, there are images of the play, there are music, the play's reference. It's so present in our popular culture that it is difficult. It's very difficult approaching this play and trying to, you have to, try and approach it afresh. Um, and, I mean, how do you actually go about that? In one way, and I asked, you know, I asked the actors to try and throw every, everything that they knew about the play out of their heads. I think the most important thing is that you, it's a complex play, it's a very, very, very complex play. And I think always starting working on his plays is that you have to look at the questions that the difficulties, you know, the problems of staging those plays to actually begin to imagine how those plays can function on stage. So I think the starting point was, for me, what is the world? You know, what is the forest? What are the environments? How do you, I mean, the big question, how, who are the fairies? How do you <laughs> stage something that actually doesn't really exist? Yeah. Um, and once you start to dig into those, start to investigate those problems, those questions, and there's so many questions throughout the play, the relationship between Theseus and Hippolyta, um, uh, an Amazonian warrior who has been conquered by Theseus. You say, why is that at the, <laughs> at the beginning of the play? Yeah, why is it even there? But why is it even there? What, yeah. are, what are those references? Um, and once you start to investigate those peculiar things within the play, I think then you start to form some kind of shape of the things that he's exploring throughout. Um, Do you feel it's incumbent on you to have a concept um, with a play like this? I think there is. I, mean, I think we're in the... I think there is an expectation of a director with Shakespeare now. I think it is, you know, and that's been around since, you know, Brooke really was the first one mm. to sort of introduce those ideas of... I saw that show, oh, that production, oh, believe you? it or not. Oh, wow. I went, on a, yes, four of us drove from Yorkshire in a car, and I guess it was in the early 70s. Yes, if that, it may have been 69. Oh, it probably was 69, that's right, that would yeah. make sense, yes, yes. I mean, he introduced a whole lang a whole new way of looking at Shakespeare through that production. And I think that certainly is embedded in people's heads. And I think that for me, there is, I have Lepage's production from right. the early 90s where it was in a mud pit. Yes, <laughs> yes. And so there is a pressure to, I think, be conceptual with the dream or any, any of his plays to, to a degree. But I, I'm not really, I would say I'm not a conceptual director, but I am but then I am staging it with our 150 gold wedding 
<laughs> I think the point, the point in terms of designing it and how it functions, you have to go, how do we move from uh, the world of the court to the forest? What is the forest? Mm -hmm. And the thing that excites me about the play is, is, I think it's a play about the imagination, where do our imagine not only in the world of the play, what happens to your imagination when you do go into the forest, mm -hmm. and they are, those, the four lovers are, released, their imaginations are engaged, um, but also it's about the imagination, the, the capacity for the imagination to be engaged in the process of making theatre and also how theatre is communicated with an audience. It's mm. a collective imaginative um, experience. And what Shakespeare does so brilliantly within Midsummer Night's Dream, he talks about that. With the mechanicals rehearsing the play, they have problems. How do you bring moonlight? Though you need moonlight, we need moonlight, and we need a wall. How can you bring a wall into the great chamber? And, and he, they come up with the solution. A man comes in to represent moon yes. with a dog and a lantern and that, and a man will represent wall. And they could be sort of almost thought of as in-jokes for theatre practitioners. Absolutely, but I think that's the heart of... Yeah of how you create a wood yes. on stage. It's that you, yeah. choose, you choose something that is, you know, is a metaphor and engages the imagination. So yeah. for me, I wanted something very physical on stage because I find it very thrilling, the idea of communicating the experience of walking through a forest at night, which is sort of impossible, and, and you, are, you get caught on things, you trip over things. Mm. It's very difficult. And quite frightening. And very, very frightening. And so the idea for me was the first scene is the preparation for a wedding, which is happening in four days' time. And so it literally is a preparation for a wedding, and it's 150 wedding chairs that are being put out. And then for the forest, the lights go off, and you go from there. And then they pass through the wedding chairs, and the chairs become, become the forest. Great. Did it worry you to do the, a play called A Midsummer Night's Dream in the middle of winter? <laughs> Well, a little bit. I mean, the wonderful thing about the play is that this is these questions that you have to ask. You, you, I'm reading it. I've never heard, there were, never heard it before when I've seen the productions. And Titania's speech, because I think it's often cut, Titania's lengthy speech when she meets Oberon for the first time in you know, a long period of time, she talks about that their argument has, as a consequence of their argument, the seasons have been turned upside down uh -huh. so that there is winter and summer um, and then for me it became suddenly this idea of chaos which is with, embedded within the plague um, with uh, a journey from chaos through to harmony at the mm. end if there is full harmony at the end um, so I suddenly got very excited by the idea of actually it's snowing so because it is winter, Fantastic. even though it is midsummer. <laughs> um, so it is, it's, it's snowing in our production when we go to the wood, to the stage, and the chairs will be covered in snow, I hope. Um, so, and then to me, it's sort of thrilling to be doing midsummer or winter when it is actually winter in our version. Yeah, wonderful. I mean, it moves to summer at wonderful. the end of it, but that's a lovely thing to play. How are the actors doing? Are they finding it difficult? Are they what? What do they find most challenging? Would you think? Um, 
I think the, the language is difficult, yeah. obviously, um, and it demands, they're doing very well with it, but it demands rigour, it demands, it's, um, it, it, that the work has to continue outside of the, I mean, uh, of course actors work outside of the rehearsal room as well, but it needs, it's a little bit like doing your piano scales, that, that that language has to be so in their bodies yeah. and that there are a number of ways that they have to explore that text mm. and that and the verse. Mm. But they have to technic it's so technical to begin with. And I think that can be inhibiting. Um, and so I think it demands a great muscularity and a great technicality technical approach to it so then it is inhabited and then you can throw it away and you can use you can use that language quite freely rather yes. than and almost feel as if you could throw it away yeah but it's still there and audible but it's still there it's a little mm. like doing piano scales yeah. is that once it's in your muscle memory mm. then you can be expressive and mm. And, mm. and and delve into it so i think mm. that's the hardest thing mm. but then they're liberated by it too by this play the wonderful thing about this company and I think it's the energy of a young company exploring this play because there is a young energy at the heart of the play of four young adults experiencing the violent, obsessive <laughs> quality of first love. Yes, horrific. <laughs> really yes. horrific yeah. and painful and, yeah, and yeah, yeah. And misguided at times, mm. and and the ability to switch from—I mean, it's—I think the whole play, the play is about the imagination, but then also it's about the um, how love can manifest itself in so many different ways: Obsess pure, obsessive, violent, destructive, and the, therefore Theseus and Hippolyta. And he's—he's—we have four relationships within the play. And each relationship is totally different. Mm -hmm. Each quality of love is totally different, yes. and, and 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 it switches. So throughout the play, we end with the five relationships with Titania and Bottom as well. There are five relationships, and we see so many different versions of mm -hmm. love. And mm -hmm. I think he does that so brilliantly. It's the explore. He understands the complexity and the grayness, the black and the white and the gray mm -hmm. that exists mm -hmm. in um, in relationships and the quality of love. But they, so the young love, they really have um, they really have that connection to it. And then also, it's a crazy, wild play. You sort of, you watch it and it, you, you sort of feel as if that Shakespeare must have been on something. Well, the <laughs> joy the, in the his, joy, if, yeah. of, it, it shines through the writing. You can kind of imagine him really relishing the process of, writing it down because he could. Yes, absolutely. I mean, it's remarkable, isn't it? Yeah. It really is. So I think the energy, the energy that it needs to explore that text yeah. within the room, they, they have. And so it, they're, they're taking a lot of risks and being really, it, it, it demands a, a degree of imagination mm. and um, excitement about exploring the imagination and working with each other, which, which they have.
Great, good. This is, I think, the third production you've done at Guildhall, isn't it? Yes. E Etta Jenks and, and two Shakespearean actors yep. came before, and you've done a number of projects and worked on the summer school. Mm. Um, if there is anything, could you just say a little bit about what it is that you like about working at Guildhall, what brought you here, and what it means to you? I think one of the greatest things, and particularly working when you work with the full year and when you're working on something as which demands an, an, extraordinary, an extraordinary degree of um, connection between actors in space and in the rehearsal room, the wonderful thing that they have, a, there, there is the energy and the, the hunger um, and the desire to be uh, nourished by the work that they are doing, to be more moved forward. But the wonderful thing is that it is a true ensemble. It's the kind of ensemble that you dream of having and working with because they work, they can take huge risks with each other um, emotionally, physically within the space. So you end up sort of surpassing the kind of work that you can do in week one with third year students is, I suppose, the kind of work that you could only ever really achieve after having one company and having done four productions mm, with mm, them. Mm. So the the things that you discover are, I think, surpass the things that you would discover probably with a professional company, because it takes so, in the space of four weeks, it takes so long for them to be able to feel that comfortable, to take the risk that particularly of play like Midsummer Night's Dream demands. So that that is absolutely thrilling. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, that, that notion of ensemble is, as you I'm sure you know, uh, absolutely. It's at the heart of the work here. Yes, yeah. it's, it's really what, I think that that is an obsession that we share. Yeah. Uh, those of us that are here all the time. And um, and it's easy to pay lip service to it without, um, I think, as a notion. Mm. I think, you know, I think theatre and, and the notion of ensemble very often go hand in hand. But yeah. to, but to actually get there, is a, as you say, is a different different matter. Do you find a difference? I don't know to what extent you've worked in other schools. I think you've worked at the Welsh College, mm. haven't you? Um, do you have a sense of a different set of obsessions driving the training when you go into different buildings? Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. I, it's One of the reasons I love being at Guildhall is because obviously my background, because I've been oh, a long-term assistant and associate with Complicity, mm. But that is a tr that is that work is really embedded in in the imagination and creativity and the ensemble. So that I feel that that really matches the kind of work that I have always wanted to do. And that ethos is not only you know, it's in that company, but also it's here. And I'm not sure. I think there are different. I think there are different vocabularies in different in different schools. And mm -hmm. it sort of it feels like the, this that Guildhall. I have a happy relationship with that work because because it's a shared vocabulary and, and it's consistent with your own yeah. thinking. Yeah. Oh, that's good. That's good. Do you think that there is um, a special quality that's required to function well as a director in a drama school? Yes, I think there is. <laughs> I mean, this is a Simon. There's a joy of working in drama school because I think there's a particular energy. There is the, there's, 
the, the, the connections, the relationships that they have having been together for three years. But I think also, I, often I feel I do my best work at, at drama schools, um, maybe because there's a sense of play and risk yeah. um, that you can take, but sometimes you're slightly afraid to do under greater pressures, the sort of financial pressures of a budget that is £100,000 or those sort of concerns um, but um, I think there's an element of uh, there's an element of teaching within yeah. directing at drama schools as well and facilitating it's, a, it's about facilitate not only achieving your goal with a, with a production or your concept or the things that you want to explore with that production but there is, there is also a responsibility to facilitate every single actor within your company to reach, to go, to surpass themselves or to um, learn new things or mm. to nourish them yes, and to so that they move forward in some way as actors. Yeah, to, 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 to lift them when they need yeah. it. Yeah, and to, to have a sense, them. and also to have a sense then that, but at the same time is to make sure that they have a sense of what it feels like to be in the real, yeah. the real, world of making theatre, that, yeah, that so process not, is true to that as well. You're not molly-coddling no. them, are you, at no. all? No. Good. Um, Doug, thank you. I'm really grateful to you for talking. That's to right. Us. And uh, I wish you every success with the production. We're all looking forward to it. And uh, thank you very much. Thank you.